This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. The Matrix is a computer-generated dream world built to keep us under control in order to change a human being. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Pain.tv. Join the discussion at Pain.tv slash gold. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this is Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. Folks, we've got a lot to talk about. We came off episode 41, reviewing the lecture in 2018 at the West Point Military Academy to a group of cadets and faculty there by Dr. Charles Morgan III. And there were some major revelations in there, folks. Major, major Okay, lots of crazy technology. If you haven't listened to episode 41, I suggest you go back and listen to that. Uh, A couple of episodes before that, we started getting into the video, uh, into the lecture. But what we got yesterday, folks, was an admission from a former, former CIA intelligence officer who now is a professor at University of New Haven, was a professor at Yale University, and he works under government grants. And he also advises the military and works with the military on selecting special operators. And he also works on psychological operations and other things of that nature. But yesterday, what we got was that he admitted that the government or the official science community has the technology to and and folks i really had to sleep on this and think about it but they have the technology to develop off of anyone's dna so if they have my dna they can develop essentially a disease that they could spread let's say in the air he did not say this but i'm saying this let's say they spread that in the air with an airborne disease and that disease may not kill anyone or harm anyone but it can target me specifically and once it spreads to me it will kill me he also admits in there that they have the ability to inject a stem cell into your body that they could direct through its coding to go anywhere into your body say into your heart or your lungs or your brain and it will just wait there until they can trigger it into action via, say, a sound wave that your brain interprets and then triggers the stem cell to go into action. And then whatever it's coded to do, let's say, give you lung cancer or brain cancer or whatever it is, they can do that. Two major admissions, folks. That's pretty scary. Now, he talks about it from a... um, from the perspective of the science community and the healthcare community. And then he says, well, what could 
the intelligence community do with this? What could the military do with this? And he talks about it in a sense from human enhancements, transhumanism, basically. But you know they can also do things like kill people, which he actually admits to when he says we could make a disease that just kills one person targeted to their DNA. And the point that I brought up, which was important, was that, uh, listen, and don't get down on yourself. I mean, again, I don't blame people for utilizing these technologies that are readily available and which you were sort of baited into, propagandized into, brainwashed into using. And so when everyone was running around getting COVID tests, you were giving the government a DNA sample. You know, you were giving them access to your brain. You were giving them access to your nasal cavity. You were giving them access to your saliva. You know, or if over the years you sent your DNA sample into 23andMe or Ancestry.com type of companies so you could get an, uh, an ancestral report and do a family tree or something. You go to the doctor... Uh, you give a blood sample or at LabCorp or Quest Diagnostics or something like that. So you're always giving up uh, your DNA. And somewhere there's a giant DNA bank with, uh, you know, attached to our thumbprint from one iteration of the Apple iPhone to our retina scan to our face scan. And all this stuff is being stored in a system like Peter Thiel's Palantir which does a lot of the data analysis for the government or a system like uh, Peter Thiel's Clearview AI, which uses real-time facial recognition to be able to pull up your digital footprint in real time. And so if you don't believe that the government has a jacket on you, a file on you, full of your thumbprints, your retina scans, your facial scans, you know, your blood type, your DNA, I mean, you're crazy. I mean, what, what are they collecting all this for? You can't believe that it's uh, decentralized at this point. What they're going to use it for, who knows? But I made the point last night that if they can create a disease that they can release that does not harm anyone but only kills you individually uh, based on your DNA profile, then they could do that to a group of people. They could do that to a certain bloodline. They could do that to what uh, Margaret Sanger, the founder of Planned Parenthood, or Adolf Hitler would call the undesirables, the subhuman mongrels. And so they could do that as long as they can pinpoint a piece of DNA, uh, you know, coding within your DNA that matches your profile or a profile of a select group of people then they could kill and wipe out those people either by spreading a disease i don't know like a covid19 situation or by doing it through injection i don't know like a covid jab i'm not saying that's what they did i'm just saying the possibilities are there and now we know this through dr charles morgan the third who is contracted by the government to run experiments out of his lab at university of new haven and who also analyzes technology available in the black market biohacking community that he talked about or in the official science community or in academia um, stuff run out of government but usually fun i mean run out of colleges and universities but usually funded by the government as he is 
And then the government has a guy like him sit there and say, okay, we've got all these incubators out there in the private sector, in the uh, academic world, you know, in these government laboratories, in these black market biohack, you know, dungeon laboratories. Now, what could we do with it? How could we use it for offense? And how do we defend against it if other people have it? And so that's what he does. And so that's why we're analyzing the video on him. And we have about 20 minutes left, and it's jam-packed with a lot of information. But let me also give you a heads up on what we're going to be covering next, okay? Because I, I now it's just so much information has fallen into my lap, and I appreciate uh, everyone over at pain.tv slash golden on Twitter who have been sending me uh, intelligence, uh, research, articles, videos, audio files, and such that connect to everything we're talking about here. Now, although to me it feels like I'm doing a lot, you know, at least uh, two hours a day in content, uh, always moving on to new subjects, it still seems like I don't have enough time. And so, as long as you guys can handle uh, more information, I'm looking at um, sometime next week maybe expanding and doing an extra half hour, hour a day uh, because there's just so much research coming in that I want to get it all out there in case, God forbid, this uh, podcast is shut down and we have to move only on to pain.tv slash gold. Who knows? Commander Payne's been going through some stuff over on uh on the thomas Payne podcast that he'll get into shortly and so you never know when your days are numbered but that's okay we'll figure out a way around it i mean that's that's our job over here when you don't work for the man you are a target it's not that i'm special it's just that the information i've chosen to discuss and to talk about on the dust and gold standard is stuff that probably even though it's out there it's in the public domain when someone curates it all breaks it down, connects the dots, and analyzes it, I don't think they enjoy that very much. But we'll see what happens. Uh, But what we're going to do after Dr. Charles Morgan, there's a lot more on him, but I want to move on. Um, I'm just trying to show you some of these government-funded military mad scientists and the technology that they're developing because it all ties back into what this show started with, which is the tenets of the Fourth Industrial Revolution, the quest for immortality by the elites, um, mind uploading, and all this other stuff, human enhancements, gene editing. Um, As I've said before, the Fourth Industrial Revolution is the merger of the physical, biological, and digital worlds. And so that's what I'm showing you. And we've already proven multiple times that the CIA, through their public cutout, really, their venture firm, InQtel, is invested in over 500 Silicon Valley companies, and some of which are actually publicly traded companies, and then they dish out more money. Um, through InQtel to startups and such. Uh, And that comes from CIA money, NSA money, DOD money, FBI money, and other departments. And then they also give out grants and they give out contracts. So the government has a stronghold on Silicon Valley. And we're going to eventually work our way back into Operation Paperclip, as I've said. And I've been having some private communications with some people at pain.tv slash gold who can't wait for that and have actually been sending me some tidbits that I'm going to investigate myself and try to work into that series when we get to it because they're giving me stuff that 
uh, I wasn't even aware of. Some I was, but I haven't looked at this stuff in years, and so it's kind of jogging my memory. So I appreciate everyone over at pain.tv slash gold who's sending me information. Uh, I don't want to say any names because they were private DMs, but thank you very much for that stuff. All right, so once we're done with Dr. Charles Morgan, we are going to go back into this document i'm working my way to a dr james giordano and i'll probably hopefully have maria albanese on co-host of the thomas Paine podcast on fridays to help break down giordano with me because she's been tracking some of his stuff for years and she probably can fill in a lot of blanks for me but we're going to go back to this. Uh, remember, we briefly touched on it the other day. Uh, U.S. Army Combat Capabilities Development Command Chemical Biological Center in Aberdeen, Proving Ground, Maryland. And this was the Cyborg Soldier 2050 Human Machine Fusion and the Implications of the Future of the DOD. And so now I've had a little bit of time to actually start to go through this document myself and um, there's two key players uh, that were part of this document. Of course, James Giordano is part of developing this, but we're going to work our way to Giordano because he's key in this, just like Dr. Charles Morgan. But you have uh, Peter Emanuel, Research and Technology Directorate, and then you have Diane DeLulius, National Defense University. And so just to give you a heads up here, as we work our way into Dr. Peter Emanuel, he is the senior research scientist for bioengineering, and this is over at uh, devcom.army.mil. Uh, it's actually cbc.devcom1m.army.mil, and it says here, Dr. Peter Emanuel is currently the senior research scientist for bioengineering at the United States Army Combat Capabilities Development Command Chemical Biological Center. In this role, he advises Army leadership on emerging technologies in synthetic biology and bioengineering and exploitation of these new fields for applications that support national defense. And he's very uh, instrumental in all of this, and he's a key guy. And so... I was able to locate, uh, let me see if it's right here. It was a podcast featuring uh, Dr. Peter Emanuel and Dr. Diane Dulius based on the 2019 paper, The um, Cyborg Soldier 2050. And so this podcast was at military.com, and it was hosted by the managing editor, Hope Hodge-Sec. And so I listened to this today, finally. And it's about 30 minutes, 40 minutes. And so we're going to analyze this podcast uh, after we're done with Dr. Charles Morgan as we work our way into Dr. James Giordano because the podcast is very telling. And then what we'll do is we'll work backwards to the cyber uh, Cyborg Soldier 2050 Human Machine Fusion paper which is what the podcast is discussing, to get into some more detail. And this way, you'll understand what the military is actually up to. And it ties right back in to Dr. Charles Morgan III, because that's what he's doing as well, analyzing this type of technology for the government. And then this podcast uh, that we're going to review, Left of Boom, Episode 6, the Future of Bio-Enhanced Super Soldiers, Part 1. It's going to lead us into the second one I got, which I haven't listened to yet. But this is Super Soldiers, Part 2, The Dark Side. And so this features Edward Bar uh, Barrett and Peter uh, Pafaf. 
And so we'll get into that as well. And as I said, that will work us over into Dr. James Giordano. And then once we wrap up with that, unless we see anything along the way, we'll sort of have the military super soldier program at least cleared off our desk. And then we can move into other pressing matters. But that will give you a full understanding uh, from the last few episodes up through these of exactly what the military and our government and the intelligence community are at least publicly admitting to. Uh, and I think that's going to be fantastic because that leads us back into Joe Biden's transhumanist executive order and then into Operation Paperclip. Hopefully, hopefully, folks, I've got a notebook with hundreds and hundreds of podcasts Uh, topics that i need to discuss so we will strategically work through those and try to deliver this information to you in as a coherent manner as possible with uh, my my style of sort of jumping all over the place but trust me in the end i get a lot of emails from you saying that you're learning quite a bit and you like the way we're doing this so i will continue with sort of this uh this format this strategy as uh as long as i can until I see necessary that I change the style and format of the show. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's take a quick break. When we come back, I have something special for you. Before we jump back into the mad scientist, Dr. Morgan, we are going to look at a man who attempted to turn himself into a human cyborg. He eventually died. But again, this is the quest for immortality, the thirst for eternal life. And so just like yesterday with Peter Nygaard, the gentleman who was raping women, asking them to get abortions so that he could harvest the stem cells to inject into himself to achieve eternal life. There is another gentleman who went about it in a different way, but I want to show you the technology that exists through him, and then also the extent at which humans will go in their quest for immortality. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold. This is the Dustin Gold Standard, and you are listening to pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Ping.tv. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this is Pain.tv slash gold. I am Dustin Gold, and you are listening to the Dustin Gold Standard. That's right, folks. This is the Dustin Gold Standard. All right, so what I want to do is I want to start out this show. I'm always trying to show you real-world examples as much as possible uh, as we're talking about the technology that exists, the transhumanists within the government that are pushing forward uh, this type of merger and man and machine. It's always good to see this technology being used in real life from different perspectives. As Dr. Morgan talks about, the official science community, the biohacking community, the military, the intelligence apparatus. And so I like to bounce around sometimes and pull up examples of where we see this being used in real life. For instance, when we were talking about the um, sort of technocracy and the prison planet technology that they're developing and rolling out, the uh, technology coming from the force industrial revolution. 
Uh, we looked at frictionless shopping. We looked at Instacart. We showed that Israeli intelligence was behind that. We showed that the CIA was behind that. And so I think it's important to keep showing you where this is being rolled out. This is part of helping you, training you to be able to recognize this stuff in your own lives. And so you know when to avoid this technology if you so choose, uh, how to avoid it, how to spot it, how to recognize it, and then basically teach your kids and grandkids to stay away from it as much as humanly possible. You know, at a certain point, if they replace all the cashiers in the grocery store with all self-checkout, then, you know, that turns out to be the only choice you have. And then we have to regroup and rethink this. But right now, you can still avoid it. You can do your own shopping the old-fashioned way. And you can go to a cashier at the checkout line and support humanity. It's something small you can do, but... Uh, but it's you doing it. So I want to show you this uh, video. And this was put out uh, on YouTube. Someone took a piece of a documentary and then sort of narrated it and uh, put this out. It's just going to give you, I'm not going to deep dive into this. I just want to show you this gentleman and his quest for immortality. Now, when you watch this or you listen to it, remember what I always say. The idea in the adoption campaigns on this technology, any of this type of transhumanist technology, they have to tug at your heartstrings. That's just the way they do it. They have to play to human emotion because they know that the majority of us are decent, sympathetic, compassionate people. And so if you're not aware of the technology or aware uh, of the fact that they are trying to develop sort of immortality and Iron Man suits for themselves, then you would fall into the trap and just say, oh, this is great. I support this. Now, you're going to hear later in the Dr. Peter Emanuel uh, podcast episode on military.com on the show Left of Boom that I mentioned to you in segment one, Peter Emanuel talks about how the military, the DOD, the Department of Defense, needs to get the public in the various countries in which they are going to roll out these uh, cyborg super soldiers to accept and agree with or at least not push back against the technology so he actually gets into that we're not going to cover that today that'll be probably in the next episode but we're going to listen to him talk about how the military is working to normalize the technology to get the general public to accept it and in part uh part of the way that they do this is through documentaries through media stories like the one you're about to watch it's something where you say wow this technology is great but of course i'm going to break it down for you i'm going to analyze it and i'm going to show you where it's outright creepy you're going to see the lengths at which this gentleman went to to turn himself willingly into a cyborg and in the end what he looks like, what he carved himself up into, and then how he communicates uh, to the world. And what he actually did was he's a walking example of the fourth industrial revolution. He is a merger of the physical, biological, and digital. All right, so he should really be the mascot if he was alive today. He should be the mascot of the World Economic Forum. They should uh, basically roll him out on a stage like a furry mascot, and they say, here is 
the physical, the biological, and the digital merged. All right, let's watch this video. What prompted scientist Peter Scott Morgan to become part machine? And did doing so really extend his life? Keep watching for his fascinating journey into new frontiers of medical science. Okay, so let me pause this for the audio-only audience. And remember, you can always see this stuff over at pain.tv slash gold for a few dollars. Uh, I think when they post them over there, when uh, the young bucks over at the Thomas Paine podcast who manage the headquarters over at pain.tv slash gold, they post these up there and they label them by the episode. So if you're listening to this episode, you found it on one of the podcast players It's episode 42. You could jump over to pain.tv slash gold if there's something that you want to see and pull up the video version and watch it. Uh, And um, once in a while, there's a problem where my software glitches in the middle and I'm losing the video. It happened a few episodes ago, and I apologize for that. There's no way around it. So um, that happens once in a while. But in this particular case, you'd be able to jump over there and watch some of this video. So they're showing this sort of emaciated gentleman who looks like he's wearing a wig like a full-blown wig and has colored eyebrows and then he has these bright white teeth they almost look like dentures i don't know if they are Uh, and then they show him riding around in his wheelchair and um you know with with computers around him and tracking dots on his face and you know very surreal it looks like something out of a movie all right let's continue on june 15th 2022 Dr. Peter Scott Morgan's family issued a statement on his Twitter account that announced his death at the age of 64. Scott Morgan was an American-British scientist known as the world's first full cyborg. In 2017, Scott Morgan was diagnosed with motor neuron disease. Okay, so in 2017, he was diagnosed with motor neuron disease. In June of 2022, he passed away. Okay, they say he's an American-British scientist, and he was the first human cyborg. So now, you see these videos of him with the wig on or his hair dyed. It looks like a wig to me. And he's got colored eyebrows and these big white teeth. And now, they're showing him, uh, and I'll get into this in a little bit, but they're showing him sitting um, kind of in an office setting with a gentleman next to him. And he's got a brace on his neck. He looks different than they showed him earlier in the video where he looks like a a regular gentleman but emaciated with a wig on now his eyes are gigantic and uh, he looks quite strange or mnd also called amyotrophic lateral sclerosis mnd is a rare condition that affects the nerves and brain some of its symptoms include weak legs slurred speech muscle cramps and a weak grip okay so now they're showing uh, as they usually do in these type of videos a collection of people, older people, um, some kind of like a Malaysian-looking gentleman in wheelchairs, you know, crippled, uh, old man helping his wife, his old wife get into a chair. Okay, so this is how they tug at the heartstrings to then be able to push the transhumanist technology on folks. And listen, I don't know if you're out there. Uh, I said I don't judge people. If you use this technology... You know, for yourself, for your parents, grandparents, whatever. Uh, I don't blame you if it's out there and you're going to use it. I'm just making you aware of it. And I always ask the question, where do we draw the line? 
What is your personal line in the sand? At the end of the day, folks, if you're going to try to live outside of the matrix, right, if you're going to live one foot in and one foot out, it's going to have to be you that makes the decision on what lines you're going to cross. There is never going to be a collective voice that comes out of this show. It's not going to be Dustin says, this is the line and you better not cross it. I'm just arming you with the information and showing you the technologies that are out there. And then you're going to have to make a decision what you think is dangerous. What ethical lines would you cross? What moral lines would you cross? And that's what this is all about. I mean, you're going to make the decision for yourself. All right, let's continue here. But again, they're running B-roll clips to tug at your heartstrings. According to the UK's National Health Service, currently there is no known cure for the disease, but patients with MND can undergo treatments to alleviate its symptoms. Scott Morgan was given two years to live when he was diagnosed in 2017. Okay, so diagnosed in 2017, and he's given two years to live, all right? And the guy's a scientist. So now they're showing him uh, being wheeled up into the back of one of those handy vans, uh, handicap vehicle. And listen, my grandfather, my paternal grandfather, my father's dad, um, got polio in 1952. My father was two years old. My grandmother was 20. She had my father at 18. She was 20 years old, and all of a sudden, her husband, who was uh, an athlete, uh, gets polio. And within a matter of uh, a couple of years, you know, he was on crutches. He ended up in a wheelchair. And my entire life growing up, uh, since I was born in 1981, I always saw my grandfather in a wheelchair. And my grandmother spent her entire life since 20 years old basically taking care of my father and his sister, but also her husband. Now, my grandfather went to work and things like that, but my grandmother did all of the heavy lifting, literally did all of the heavy lifting, including lifting my grandfather in and out of his wheelchair. Now, my grandfather's brother was a famous doctor, uh, had some major accomplishments and cancer discoveries and such. I don't know if my grandfather was alive today. Uh, he was a huge baseball fan, baseball player. Uh, would he have uh, gotten an operation like this would he have tried to do this i'm not sure in the end my grandfather had an aneurysm and uh the chances of surviving the surgery were low and my grandfather sat there like a man and he said just let it explode in me and uh let's call it a day i had a great life and so you know you always have to ask yourself where is that line in the sand for you i don't know if my grandfather would have done this um I don't know if my father and my aunt would have pushed my grandfather to do this. I don't know if my grandmother would have pushed my grandfather to do this. But, you know, what I'm talking about here is I have personal experience in my family with someone who could not walk, uh, who could not lift things. And so I understand there's people out there that are looking at this from their own personal perspective, and I want you to, because at the end of the day, it's going to be your decision, but you have to understand what's out there and then the real purpose, where they're going with this. And you will see in the Dr. Peter Emanuel podcast on Left of Boom, he even slips up like Dr. Charles Morgan has, and he basically says, you know, all of these people we send to war to come back with uh, 
amputated limbs and brain diseases essentially make for great guinea pigs for our technology. So you have to ask yourself, are all these things natural, all these diseases, uh, these wars where we maim everyone, are they natural or maybe in part are they orchestrated so that they can bring back a group of people they could use for guinea pigs in their Frankenstein laboratories? It's sick and it's hard to think about it, but there is pure evil out there, ladies and gentlemen. All right, I'm going to take a break. My name is Dustin Gold. This is the Dustin Gold Standard and you are listening to pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. Join the discussion at Payne.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard. Right here, folks. Right here on pain.tv slash gold. And uh, special thanks to everyone who has joined pain.tv slash gold. Uh, we really do appreciate that. Special thanks to everyone who's jumped over to Apple Podcasts, left a five-star review, and a comment, folks. Thank you very much. And uh, we're quickly approaching episode 50. And I am working out the details to see if we can do a live stream question show, a call-in show on um, pain.tv slash gold for episode 50. I'm working that out, folks. I'm trying to get this technology together. So don't worry. Don't worry. I'm not converting to a human cyborg just yet. But uh, some of these things you cannot do without technology. It's just difficult because uh, you're using the technology that the people you're talking trash about uh, control. But that's just the way it is right now. All right, folks, let's continue with this video on the human cyborg. Despite his progressing illness, he remained optimistic about life and found ways to cope with his condition. He always believed that technology would be able to save him. He told Input Magazine, all my early science education came from Doctor Who and Star Trek. Okay, all his early, uh, was that, what was his science background came from Doctor Who and Star Trek. And you're starting to see um, people like Elon Musk reference The Matrix. People like Dr. Charles Morgan reference Star Trek. Okay, so again, folks, the show's the entertainment supposedly the movies they are the predictive programming for this technology so that the generation who grew up on star trek like this gentleman here uh peter scott morgan then say you know i got everything from doctor who and star trek and then the generation of people that are rallying around him watching this and cheering this on what he's doing to himself in real life to go yeah this is like star trek comes to life so what do those shows do i always tell you they help to normalize uh humanize desensitize uh people to this frankenstein technology 
All right. And so what you just missed in the video, if you're not watching it, is they were showing him sitting at a table with one of those robotic arms and it was picking up a ball. Very similar to what we've heard Dr. Charles Morgan talk about some of the experiments he showed. That's why, again, I do this stuff in this order so that you have an understanding of the technology um, that they're showing before we actually show it in action in a story like this. All right. I always try to give you a foundation of certain technologies before we actually show the real world examples of them being used. Okay, let's continue. They taught me that if you're smart enough, brave enough, and have access to technology, anything's possible. Scott Morgan decided that he was going to do whatever he could to live longer. He did so by undergoing a series of surgeries. Okay, he did. He decided he was going to do whatever it was that he had to do to live longer. So they're saying that he went through a series of surgeries. Let's back that up for one second. And I'll let that play through. Do whatever he could to live longer. He did so by undergoing a series of surgeries to transform himself into a cybernetic organism. Okay, a series of surgeries to turn himself into a cybernetic organism so he's diagnosed in 2017 and then uh, passes away in 2022 so over that five-year period he was able to go into action on this stuff or so you are to believe and end up getting himself lined up for a series of uh, cybernetic surgeries uh, to turn himself into a cybernetic organism now what's up on the screen and you're going to see this in more detail momentarily they're showing a three-dimensional computer-generated image of his head uh, with the mouth moving. You're not hearing it talk yet, but you'll see they eventually create sort of a mind-twin style. Uh, it's more of a deep fake of him that he then controls through voice synthesis, part of the operations that he went through of transforming himself into a cybernetic human cyborg. All right, let's continue. Part human and part machine. He said, I'm a... Okay, okay, and part human, part machine. And it's good that they say this. See, they're humanizing it, again, through putting it through the story of this gentleman who has a debilitating disease, and then they humanize the merger of man and machine by running it through him, but we know that the merger of man and machine is singularity, of which Ray Kurzweil, the nutty chief google engineer and peter thiel and elon musk and others are on board with that is singularity the merger of man and machine that is transhumanism okay let's continue part human and part machine he said i'm a prime candidate for the fast track to death but i will pass on the offer i am frankly far too busy having fun who would have thought Okay, so they basically show him in a sling. There's people working with him. Now he's rolling in, sort of standing up in one of those uh, stand-up wheelchairs, uh, almost like um, a hand truck that you would use to move a... Uh, you know, a refrigerator or the sort of the hand truck they had Hannibal Lecter strapped to. So he comes riding in one of those where he's in a standing position. They're trying to cheat death with a full-time job. Okay, so that's him speaking before they surgically removed his voice box. And he says, uh, you know, who knew that trying to cheat death 
was a full-time job. Again, look, I, I don't know this guy's true intentions. I didn't do a deep dive into him. Probably won't at this point. I'm just showing you how they are humanizing the merger of man and machine. Scott Morgan had the idea to remove the functions of his organs before they started failing. The UK National Health Service notes that MND and its symptoms gradually get worse over time. Okay, so you heard her say, and, and, and I looked up some of this, so that like what they're talking about is true. It's not fake news. So he um, made a choice to remove some of his organs before they failed. So basically, they're trying to remove his organs and replace them with mechanical versions of such. Again, the merger of the physical, biological, and digital. So the digital you just saw was the 3D rendering of his head, right? You have the biological, which is actually going into the body and removing organs. You know, you have the physical, which is tampering, you know, with his body. So you're taking him, the physical manipulating him biologically and then merging him in with the digital. So he is the walking fourth industrial revolution. So moving, swallowing, and even breathing eventually get harder. Patients undergo a combination of treatments, including physiotherapy and occupational and speech therapy, as well as diet changes. Scott Morgan developed an avatar of his face before his muscles failed to function. The idea was for the robotic face to correspond with the movements of the body with the use of artificial intelligence. Okay, okay, let's pause, right? So they show him with the dots on his face, like the trackers. You've probably seen this if you ever watch behind the scenes of the making of certain movies. And so how they develop um, CGI puppets, you know, or, or like the Incredible Hulk in the Marvel movies. Um, and so what they did before he lost the muscle movements is they put the dots on his face, they scanned him in, and they created a 3D you know, deep fake of him. Now, I don't know, but the eventual next step in this is to take the 3D rendering and then you would do the brain uploading to then have the AI version of uh, James Scott Morgan living in the cloud and then that would beam back down into that head or into a new body that's the next step so probably in a year or two you know they'll say elon musk has some debilitating disease and he's going to be the first guy to upload his mind to the cloud and have a robot of himself walking around again this is how they normalize it this is how they humanize it this is how they bring it into the mainstream lexicon let's continue he also went under the knife for what he called a triple ostomy in 2018 Input Magazine describes the surgery as involving tubes being placed in his stomach, colon, and bladder. Okay, so he went into the surgery and had the tubes put into his colon and his bladder. I mean, this is what this guy is doing in this quest for, you know, eternal life, for immortality, life extension, let's say. In his case, he claims that he is... Uh, seeking to cheat death well then it becomes this desire usually with these guys you can see it which is then to live forever so let's continue with this to enable him to take in more nutrients he worked with physicians designers and technology experts to function his goal was to rely on artificial intelligence to offer solutions to people who live with extreme disabilities initially doctors were hesitant to work with scott morgan about his plans as there were risks involved that could further the disease's progression or even cause his death. 
Okay, so as it says, there were some doctors that were hesitant to perform these Frankenstein surgeries on him. I guess in the end, though, they decided to do it because he did have a series of surgeries performed on himself. Let's continue. However, the optimistic scientist was adamant, and he eventually found people to support him. Next, he had his voice box removed to prevent him from choking on his own saliva. He developed okay so did you hear that then he had his voice box removed to prevent him from choking on his own saliva okay so now he is getting all these surgeries done before the organs go bad now look i could understand someone's desire to go and do this but again at what point at what point would you say that is, you know, a step too far into craziness? You know, I, I mean, if you take this approach with this gentleman and then you take Peter Nygaard, the fashion mogul we looked at, who was at first in 2014 taking a woman's egg, pulling out DNA, replacing it with his DNA, growing an embryo inside of a Petri dish so he had little babies clones of himself he says that then he can extract stem cells from and inject into himself on this quest for immortality and then you find out six years later that he's supposedly uh, at least accused of raping women and children uh asking them then to have an abortion so he could take that fetus extract the stem cells and inject those into his body at what point is it a step too far at what point is it trying to stay healthy and have a healthy prosperous life and then moving into this sort of cheating death this quest for immortality at what point do you think ethically it goes a step too far where it actually becomes a sickness uh, an addiction you know, people who constantly carve up their face and get plastic surgery and stuff to keep trying to look younger. But in the end, they end up looking like Wayne Newton, like some kind of a like a wild tiger, you know, or people now who want to modify their body to the point they believe that they can switch genders, switch sexes by surgically modifying their body and taking hormones to either have more testosterone or to uh, become a woman at what point is it a step too far let's uh let's think on that for a moment we'll be right back with this and then we'll get back into dr charles morgan ladies and gentlemen i am dustin gold this is the dustin gold standard and you are listening to pain.tv slash gold you're listening to the dustin gold standard on pain.tv join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Ping.TV. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold. This is the Dustin Gold Standard, and you are listening to Ping.TV slash gold. All right, folks. Hopefully over the break you thought about that a little bit. I know, I know. You'd do anything, in most cases, to uh, 
to help your loved ones cheat death. I get it. I understand it. Uh, but there's two big questions here. At what point is it a step too far? At what point does it cross these ethical boundaries? And then number two, you know, do you understand that these mad scientists behind this technology, the investors behind this technology, the governments and their departments behind this technology are not really doing this stuff for the purpose of saving people or curing paralysis or fighting this disease. But in the end, what they're doing is they're using these people, uh, these broken people, who will do anything to live an extra day, uh, that they're utilizing them as guinea pigs in these Frankenstein experiments. All right, let's continue with this. ...developed a way to communicate using a voice synthesizer. And Times Now News reported it sounded almost like his real voice. And not... Okay, so he had his voice box removed before it got to the point where he may choke on his own saliva. But he did this so that then he could create a synthesized voice of himself and speak through his CGI deepfake 3D rendering of his head. All right. I just want to keep putting this in the context for you because if you've listened to the show from the beginning, you understand that this guy, which they call the human cyborg, this cybernetic being, is a merger of the physical, biological, and digital worlds. Okay. So he is a living, walking example of all of the technologies that we have been talking about. Too robotic. Whatever the odds, you can change everything. In 2019, Scott Morgan completed his transformation into a full cyborg that he called P. Okay. Let's back that up for one second there. I just want to replay that for you. Everything. In 2019, Scott Morgan completed his transformation into a full cyborg. Okay, so it says in 2019, he completed his full transformation into a human cyborg. So they claim initially that in 2017, he was diagnosed with the disease. And by 2019, two years later... He completed his full transformation. Now, I have a friend of mine whose sister has been dying of cancer. At first, they didn't know it was cancer. And she has very good insurance. And do you know how long it took for her to get an appointment and go from appointment to appointment? Finally, to the fact when they realized she has cancer and now it's too late. But somehow, this gentleman in two years were able to get all these elective surgeries and turn himself into a human cyborg. I don't know. It sounds strange to me. All right, let's continue. That he called Peter 2.0. A 2020 TV documentary called Peter the Human Cyborg told the story of the scientist's journey. It was edited together from footage of two years of Scott Morgan's life, from the planning stages with a team of experts up to his various surgeries. Okay, so there's this documentary out there that started obviously filming right away because it was a two-year journey this documentary of him in his planning stages to going through the surgeries so he also was able to sign a documentarian to come and apparently film all this very difficult folks i was involved with that industry uh for a while maybe i'll get into it one day but i'm writing this down because i think we will revisit this 
There are two documentaries I want to review with you in full. One is on Ray Kurzweil, and now this one. And we have to do those behind a paywall, uh, just due to copyright issues and stuff. So we can play those and analyze them and watch them together. All right, let's continue. Near the end of his life, Scott Morgan's MND had significantly progressed. But thanks to technology, he was able to stand up, use a computer via eye tracking, and communicate with others. After the success of his transformation, he said that he wasn't merely surviving with his disease, he was thriving. Scott Morgan's death announcement made clear that he died surrounded by his family and closest friends. Now, I just want to say, as she says, utilizing the technology, he said that he was thriving, not just surviving. And I believe in the first episode of the Dustin Gold Standard, I said that to you. Can we... Uh, not using the technology can we step outside of the matrix can we live one foot outside of the matrix this being the matrix basically this guy's story can we live outside of the matrix with what's coming in this world with the push for the technological prison planet with all of this transhumanist normalization can we still go half amish maybe not full amish and still thrive and not just survive. And I would say when you look at the Amish, when you go to those communities, you will see that in the world in which they've chosen to live, they are thriving. They're living naturally, away from the government, away from technology as much as possible. So can you thrive and not just survive outside of the matrix? Would you need to still have all of these sort of materialistic technological gadgets to consider yourself thriving? Would you still have to have an electric vehicle, a Tesla, to consider yourself thriving? Or could you live happy outside of the system, you know, self-sustaining as much as possible? with a happy family not connected into the internet 24 7 365 and consider yourself to be thriving and not just surviving uh, and clearly this gentleman got all these surgeries did all this stuff carved up his body took away his voice created a cgi head of himself was uh, his body was being run by machines in this quest to keep living forever and in the end, he passed away in the middle of 2022. So in the end, did all that help? Did the merger with man and machine help him? Was it worth it? Was it worth it? I mean, this reminds me of the story of Gypsy Rose. Um, I don't know if you've ever watched a documentary on Gypsy Rose or watched the TV series on Gypsy Rose, but her mother had Munchausen syndrome, they believe. And so her mother wanted to and there are multiple theories there one the mother was either using her daughter to get money to get sympathy to get donations and such and the other was that the mother had this sickness where she either one believed her daughter did have all these diseases or two she needed to keep her daughter close to her so what she did was she made her daughter believe she had all these diseases and before you know it the mother of gypsy rose had her daughter's stomach lining taken out, her teeth taken out, her uh, all kinds of sick, monstrous um, operations, and convinced the doctors to do it to the point where she basically mutilated her daughter. And her daughter ended up, I believe she's in prison now, uh, her and her boyfriend killed the mother eventually. 
And so I, I look at this as this guy almost has a Munchausen syndrome on himself. Not that he didn't have that disease, but he was willing to continue to mutilate himself. I don't know. I don't know. Again, it's just, this has to do with your own personal ethical boundaries. But I think this is quite interesting. And it's important here to show you a story in which they try to humanize that is humanizing the merger of man and machine. And is it a direction that humanity wants to go? Do we want everyone walking around as a human cyborg like this or wheeling around as a human cyborg? Well, the military is obviously going after that technology. Elon Musk, Peter Thiel, Jeff Bezos, Mark Zuckerberg, and the rest of them, they're going after this technology. They want it. So was this gentleman really uh, helping himself cheat death or was he a guinea pig for the transhumanists and the technocrats that are trying to maybe gain some of this technology for themselves and so a gentleman like this was used as a guinea pig somehow baited into it or was he willingly volunteering to be part of that does he really want to cure people with diseases or was he really on a quest for immortality i don't know that question let's continue this though those who worked with him were saddened by the news, but his legacy continues. The Scott Morgan Foundation makes use of AI technology to improve the lives of those who are extremely disabled. The New York Post noted in his obituary that Scott Morgan once said that he was lucky to be a cyborg prototype so he could show the world the immense possibilities in revolutionizing humanity. See that? So he was lucky, he says, to being a cyborg prototype. And now there's a foundation in his name focused on utilizing artificial intelligence and all of this transhumanist technology to try to help people with these debilitating diseases. So it makes you wonder, I mean, was he part of the transhumanist movement before he got the disease or in somehow he immediately got the disease, decided that's the direction and within two years turned himself into a cyborg. And now they have a foundation where they're running experiments on other people with these diseases. It's a fine line, folks. It's a fine line. Let's finish this up. Through his persistence and positivity, he was able to prolong his life and give hope to those who may not have had any before because whatever happens, we will learn from it and we will do it better the next time. Okay, so that's him there. And this video is uh, by Grunge. You can find it on YouTube if you don't want to come over and join pain.tv slash gold. It's on Grunge, G-R-U-N-G-E channel. And just look up Dr. Peter Scott Morgan. When we come back, I'm going to show you one more video of him in an interview with the 3D CGI uh, head of himself in action and then we're going to go back to dr charles morgan you see all this ties in together folks because you have stuff coming out of the official science community as dr morgan would say out of the you know healthcare society then you have it coming out of the military intelligence side so again they're they're introducing the technology trying to normalize it trying to humanize it trying to desensitize people to it in fact getting people to adopt it and they do this through different channels so they do it through the military channel they do it through the health channel they do it through video games they do it through entertainment they do it through some of the political figures so they're able to push this stuff out based on what your specific interests are 
So I haven't looked into this yet because I'm not a huge sports guy. I played a lot of sports when I was a kid, but never been into watching a lot of sports. But eventually what they'll do is they'll have a guy, uh, a pitcher who loses his arm, and then he'll come out with a robotic arm, and then he can still pitch. And then all the sports fans will say, this is fantastic. Now my son, who was born with a, a duck feet, can get... Forrest Gump-like transhumanist uh, legs, and then he can still play sports. See, they introduce it through all the various channels into the different um, sort of echo chambers or your specific choose-your-own-adventure, you know, all of your interests, and they push it through that way. For people who like to crochet, they'll have an old lady who has a robotic crocheting hand that helps her crochet. I mean, this is just how they do it. This is how they normalize it. And you'll eventually hear Dr. Peter Emanuel from the military talk about how they need to force the adoption and the acceptance of the technology on the masses so that they could move forward with stuff like the super soldier program all right ladies and gentlemen i am dustin gold this is the dustin gold standard and you are listening to pain.tv slash gold you're listening to the dustin gold standard on pain.tv join the discussion at pain.tv Slash Gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Pain.tv. All right, folks, I am Dustin Gold. You are listening to the Dustin Gold Standard right here. Right here, folks, on Pain.tv slash Gold. All right, I want to show you one more clip here of this Dr. James Scott Morgan. Um, pre, I mean, this is his post, post uh, all of his uh, human cyborg operations. And so I want you to take a look at this because you're going to see what he turned himself into, folks. So the last video, it was great. It gave you sort of an understanding of what he did. And now I just want to show you what he ended up becoming. Because um, frankly, it's, it's a bit weird. And you'd have to ask yourself, is, is this what you'd want to become? And then eventually, if the technologists and the transhumanists succeed, you know, is this part of what they want to become? Uh, rolling around with tubes inside you, being able to talk to people through a CGI head of yourself. I mean, this is real stuff, folks. So I think it's important to actually see it in action. All right, here we go. And Dr. Pete, Peter Scott Morgan was diagnosed with motor neurone disease. He was told that he had just two years left to live. And and I'm sorry, if you're looking it up, it's Peter Scott Morgan. I think I may have said James Scott Morgan. So let's continue here. This is a show called This Morning. That was four years ago. Well, an artificial intelligence expert, Peter has pushed the boundaries of technology to live as the world's first human cyborg, part machine, part human. Well, Peter joins us now alongside his husband, Francis. And good morning to both of you. Morning, Lovely to have you. you here with us. Um okay, so the gentleman with him is his husband. Okay, let's continue. Francis, let's, um, let's start. Oh, happy birthday, Oh, thank you very much. Thank you, Peter. Much appreciated. Um, Francis, it, it, this, that moment when you got the diagnosis for the, for the both of you, I mean, it must have been a hell of a shock. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, anybody who gets a diagnosis like that, you feel like you're hit by a truck. You know, you, you really are quite stunned for quite some time. And um, uh, yeah, I've never been quite so shocked. I have to say it was uh, uh, pretty horrible. Okay, so this is the husband speaking. And uh, Peter will start speaking through his, through his um, cyborg extension shortly. But I want to play this for you because I think it's important. I mean, I have to show all sides of the argument in some cases. Otherwise, it just becomes, you know, Dustin's opinion is the right opinion. So I want to show you just the humanizing story behind this. Uh, so let's continue to listen to his husband here. But we soon got to uh, grips with our new reality uh, and decided to move things forward as, as quickly as can. The problem is with something like that, you can't stop it. You can't uh, pause it. And there's nothing you can actually do about it. And we've always sort of made things right for each other. And I think that was the thing that was so horrible for me because I just couldn't make it right for him. Okay, so right now, for those of you in the audio-only audience, folks, which I do appreciate you, but if you want to watch the video stuff, hop on over to pain.tv slash gold. But anyway, Peter is sitting there, and he looks similar to many of you are familiar with maybe what Christopher Reeves' Superman looked like uh, towards the end, or maybe uh, Dr. Stephen Hawking. Uh, with sort of the pads on either side of his head. His eyes look very big, uh, like wide open, almost like his eyelids are not there. And then he's very emaciated, and he has a tube uh, running into his neck, like a breathing tube. You can actually hear him breathing there. That's not me, actually. And so he's sitting there next to the husband. Um, so let's let's continue here. Again, I, I just want you to see this and understand the type of person that would want to turn themselves into a cyborg in order to cheat death. And the thing about Peter was his extraordinary mind and the, the abilities that he has in the world that he works in is that he wasn't going to give up. He wasn't going to give up easily. Oh, no, no, no. It's not, it's not in his DNA to give up easily. And if somebody says you can't do something, then we immediately think, because uh, you say I can't do it, doesn't mean to say I can't do it. So I wonder if they uh, would splice some of his DNA, his uh, DNA that says, you know, I can do anything, and then use that and splice it into a super soldier who maybe says, I have limitations. Because you know, that's always where this stuff is going. It'd be interesting to actually go into this gentleman and find out exactly what he was working on before this happened, which we will eventually do when we review the full documentary. But let's continue here. Uh, so, uh, no, he wasn't going to give up without a fight. So we decided we'd uh, give that motor neuron disease a good run for its money. Which you really have. Yeah. Um, it, so this is fascinating. So Peter decides then that he's going to become a cyborg. Um, so could you explain, Francis, what, what that means? Okay. So then ask yourself, too, if you have access to the uh, Peter Nygaard stem cell type stuff, access to CRISPR gene editing, uh, DNA splicing, you know, why did he go this direction? I don't know. I'm just throwing it out there because now we're aware of several technologies that do exist for people with these debilitating diseases, right? 
We're aware of many of them. So it seems like if the CRISPR technology worked or the gene editing, similar to what we saw with the designer babies, could they not go in and just snip the bad part of the DNA and replace it with, as they would call it, good DNA? Uh, I don't know. But he went the direction of removing his organs before they started to fail and then replacing them with machines, removing his voice box, replacing it with a synthetic voice and then building a cgi puppet of himself to talk to people all right let's continue yeah i keep calling him my little robot he says i'm not a robot i'm a cyborg <laughs> uh basically it's uh well it's it's kind of part human part machine he will need machines in order to stay alive and uh we're working on an, a complicated ai system which will listen and learn and it will come up with uh, responses for Peter. So a lot of what Peter says in the future will be generated by an AI system. So uh, for instance, if you telephoned and said, you know, hello, Peter, um, how are you? What's the weather like today? That AI system would come up with a couple of choices for Peter to click on, which were tailor-made for you. Now, if I asked exactly the same question, uh, that AI system would come up with a couple of other responses tailor-made to me, and Peter would probably say, why are you asking me what the weather is? Put your head out the window and have a look. <laughs> okay. All right. So you just heard him explain the artificial intelligence system that will, okay, listen to the question that his husband asks him and then come up with a limited number of choices based on sort of let's say what peter would normally say and then peter can select those responses now this is where you get into the mind twin side of the technology right uh where you're training the ai to actually respond in ways that you would normally respond now that's very important because we did a whole series on mind twinning technology out of the artificial intelligence foundation lars butler's company partnered with uh, keith alexander former head of the nsa okay so now you're seeing this type of technology pull into now the healthcare world in the human cyborg you know format here because they're going to take the deep fake video the cgi head of this guy peter and now be able to fill it with select answers that the artificial intelligence comes up with based on answers that peter would probably give in real life that match his personality and so while you're listening to this just think about this folks as i pointed out to you before I don't know how many people have the disease he has or how many people have diseases like MS that lead them into this path. Now, if I can get this gentleman on this show, the scientist, uh, former architect and engineer I told you about, who is against technology and sees it destroying humanity, that gentleman beat MS years ago using homeopathy. Yeah, he has sort of a, a limp and stuff, but he got over the major hump of MS utilizing homeopathy and 
acupuncture and such and believes he conquered it. Now, I know other people in my life that got an MS and within six, seven years, they were completely crippled, but they went down the pharmaceutical drug path. So I don't, I don't know. I haven't pulled the numbers. I don't know how many people have this. But let's say at the end of the day, between all the surgeries and between... Um, you know, all the technology, the development of the artificial intelligence, the machines that he's hooked up to, the CGI heads. Let's just say if that stuff was already developed, right? Let's say it would cost $5 million being billed to your insurance, uh, maybe $3 million or $2 million out of pocket for something like this. And when it's fully developed, not the tens upon tens of millions that went into, let's say, during research and development to put this system together for Peter. Number one, are insurance companies going to want to pay for you if you have a disease they know you're going to die in a couple of years to go get all the elective surgeries to have your organs and your voice box removed so that you can then live in a chair and have to have a nurse because if you don't have a husband like this that's going to take care of you to keep you alive rolling around so that you can speak through your voice box, is the insurance company going to want to pay for that? Number one, is the average person going to have, you know, whatever it costs out of pocket if you have insurance or whatever it costs if you don't a couple million dollars to get this kind of surgery to, let's say, gain an extra two years of, I guess, if you call that life, I mean, rolling around in a wheelchair and talking through a computer. Uh, We were supposed to believe that that's what Stephen Hawking was doing for many years. And so... I don't know. These are just questions I throw out there. You have to say, is the medical community spending billions of dollars to develop this technology to sell it to a what would be out of 7.6 billion people, a handful of people, to roll around in a wheelchair as a human cyborg? I don't know. I don't think so. And that's why I say these people are the guinea pigs and they're being used to develop technologies that will be used for nefarious purposes, as Dr. Charles Morgan is willing to openly discuss. When we get back, folks, more on this, I need you to see Peter in action, utilizing his deepfake video, Mind Twin Artificial Intelligence Projection of His Real Self. Folks, this is the merger of physical, biological, and digital. You're seeing it in action. This is what the transhumanists want. This is what they're moving towards. This gentleman is just a bridge to get there from me to the full transhumanist cyborg, of which the military are working on, and that's why all this stuff pulls together, folks. I am Dustin Gold. This is the Dustin Gold Standard, and you are listening to pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. Join the discussion at Payne.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold. This is the Dustin Gold Standard, and you folks are listening to pain.tv slash gold. Come over and join us. Join the discussion. Jump in with a group of like-minded individuals. It's not an echo chamber over there either, folks. There are some people on pain.tv slash gold who hate my guts. 
They can't stand me. They love the content, but they hate me. So whatever, folks. It's not an echo chamber, and that's the way it should be. I don't want to be somewhere where everyone thinks exactly alike. What would be the fun of that, folks? We're not going to learn from each other if uh, we all agree. And I'm learning a lot from you. People are sending me stuff all the time that I work into this show. All right, let's continue with this. Uh, we're going back to Peter's husband. It's so clever, isn't it? It is so clever. And, and in order for this, um, these machines to, to work, essentially, he had to undergo some groundbreaking operations. Um, well, yeah, a lot of... Uh, Peter soon found out that the, the thing with motor neuron disease is um, it's more of um, a mechanical uh, and, and uh, sort of plumbing issue, if you like. Uh, because the motor neuron disease itself doesn't actually kill you. All of your internal organs, your heart, your liver, your kidneys, etc., bowels, all remain perfectly well. They all function perfectly. Uh, the thing that does kill you eventually is the fact that your muscles can't work your lungs. And so you don't have that opportunity for the gas exchange. Engineering problems. Engineering problems, as you Okay, that was uh, Peter's robotic voice uh, jumping in there for a moment. He says, and he's a bit of an engineer. Um, so you don't have that gas exchange in your lungs. Um, and so your oxygen level, of course, goes down and you pass away because of that. Uh, so Peter very soon realized that if you can solve some of these engineering problems and keep the lungs going, actually, you've got a near normal life expectancy ahead of you. I mean, albeit, of course... You get locked in. Yes, of course. I mean, it is, it's so clever because um, he saved his image in the form of a 3D avatar, um, uh, saved, uh, saved, saved the voice as well. I mean, all of these things, so clever. Unbelievable. Okay, okay. So I just got to point this out there, right? So they're on this show this morning. It kind of is like a Good Morning America type of show. And so you see the host. There's a gentleman and there's a woman there. And so they are like, oh, turning yourself into a 3D avatar is so clever. Removing all of your organs is so clever. You see, this is how they're humanizing it. No one ever says, wait, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. A human cyborg? That's weird. Where are we going with this? How much did it cost? Who's behind this? What are they going to use this technology for in the future? No, it's, it's humanizing it through this gentleman, through Peter Scott Morgan, who clearly, uh, you know, it, it comes across, you know, if you have compassion and sympathy, you feel for this man. As I do, but at the same time, you would also say this is pretty weird. But uh, no, that's not what they're saying. They're calling it clever. Just like Dr. Charles Morgan, when he talks about using the human mind to hack a rat and have it run around under your control is fun. Being able to create a disease that spreads around New York City designed to only kill one person is fun. Uh, being able to put a stem cell into someone's body that they can later control and activate through a sound wave is awesome. You see, this is how you normalize, you humanize, and you desensitize people uh, to this type of Frankenstein technology. All right, let's continue. Absolutely unbelievable. Well, Peter, we want to speak to you now. Um, and how important was it for you to find a way to communicate, I guess, with your personality and emotions? Absolutely vital. 
Okay, so now they have a split screen. So you have Peter sitting there in the wheelchair, as I've said, with the hose, uh, probably a breathing apparatus coming out of his neck, sitting next to his husband. And then you have this 3D CGI deepfake avatar video of him on the screen with a synthesized voice. It's not his voice. It's like a deep, a deep fake audio of his voice. All right, let's continue. Cool. You may have noticed at the moment my avatar can't smile. It turns out getting smiles right is really hard, especially mine. But the Peter 2.0 that never even grins just isn't me. I don't want that. Fortunately, as my muscles shut down, it now seems that, like the Cheshire Cat in Alice in Wonderland, my smile will be the last thing to disappear. So we should get my avatar sorted just in time. Okay, so what he's talking about is he's sitting in the chair and the real Peter, the real life Peter, and he looks like he is smiling. And so what he's saying is that his avatar can't yet smile uh, appropriately. And you've seen that in some of the sort of uh, rudimentary versions of the Mind Twins where the smiles and stuff look like you know, a not-so-great video game or a really bad initial sort of early-stage CGI in movies. And so he's saying he smiles, but the Avatar isn't picking up the smile from him. It doesn't really smile. Uh, but he's saying that they're working that out. Frankly, after that, if you look at biological Peter, it'll be pretty boring. But that's not me either. My Peter 2.0 avatar, which according to the team at Pinewood Studios working on it, will eventually be indistinguishable from a real person, is as close to the real me as you'll ever see, part man, part machine, or human. And Okay, so let me pause this for a second, because if they were, I believe this video was from around 20, uh, 2020. Okay, so three years after he was diagnosed uh, and began the process of being turned into human cyborg. And so, remember I showed you a video uh, a while back, I think during the Lars Butler series on Artificial Intelligence Foundation, which was a company called Soul Machines. And those 3D avatars were pretty damn good. I mean, as far as... Uh, picking up sort of human emotion and facial expressions. So eventually, that's that's where they wanted to go with this version of Peter. All right, let me back this up for a second. We'll let this run through. Ever see part man, part machine, or human, and still very much alive. Wow, wow. that is just amazing. And you were given Incredible. just two years to live by the doctors. That was four years ago. But you've never stopped believing that technology was your way out. Okay, so this is 2021. Four years after he was diagnosed and told he had two years to live. All right, let's continue. For one very simple reason. All my early science education came from Doctor Who and Star Trek. Every week I learned that if you're smart enough and brave enough and have access to enough super cool technology, then whatever the odds, you can change everything.
Okay, so let's pause that for a second. He's talking his avatar. Now, let me just explain this to you. Okay, I don't know this. I'm not accusing them of doing this, but I don't understand at this point how Peter would be speaking in real time. It appears that his hands do not work. Uh, Remember, they were talking about how the muscle functions disappear. Uh, with this particular disease. And so the same way we would see sort of Stephen Hawking wheel out on the stage, uh, I was never fully sure if that was actually real, if he was thinking those thoughts with his mind. So in this particular case, I don't know. I don't think he's typing this. So this head speaking, not really answering the question, other than the fact that it's a question that could have been pre-submitted, could be pre-programmed by the the CGI company who's developing the avatar, and then it's just playing a pre-recorded answer to a question they knew was going to be asked, so it's just a, a general answer. It's probably the same one he would use at lectures and stuff. So I'd have to delve into that uh, a bit more. You know, or is he using one of those transcranial helmet devices to send signals uh, to what it wants him to say? You know, or is it just a dummy sitting there and then it's an avatar that's pre-programmed? That I'm not sure of. Uh, I would probably not even be able to prove that. But I'm just throwing it out there because I know some people are probably thinking that. So I figure I will address it. All right, let's continue. So how will what you're doing help others who are trapped in their bodies? Francis and I became so passionate about this that a year ago, we set up a charitable research body called the Scott Morgan Foundation to act as the focus for a hugely ambitious research program stretching across decades. And we've been unbelievably lucky in being able to attract some of the world's top brains to get involved. Our mission is to completely rewrite the future of disability. And so you are really challenging what some people might think about your illness and, and determined to thrive. What's the, the best thing about these last four years for you? In short, as a transitioning cyborg, my overall quality of life is exceptional. Okay, so again, I don't know if he's responding in real time to those questions or this is uh, pre-programmed. It would be interesting if someone asked how he would do it, but when we review the full documentary, I'm sure that will be addressed. I have love. I have fun. I have hope. I have dreams. I have purpose. Oh, and did I mention, I'm still alive. I mean, really alive. Not just one of the living dead, not just surviving, thriving. So when you ask what is the best thing of the last four years, not being dead is right up there. Okay, so... Okay, so that's the message that you're getting out of this. Not being dead, you know, is what he considers to be the most important. All right? So my question for you, though, is with... Ray Kurzweil, Elon Musk, Peter Thiel on this quest for immortality. All of these companies that, you know, Thiel and Musk 
and Kurzweil and Jeff Bezos and Jack Dorsey and these guys are developing, putting money into, you know, investing in the research and development being done to give them the ability to live forever, including the mind uploading all the way to Peter Thiel's company with the uh, Youngblood injections. You have to ask yourself this. I mean, is it, are these guys really trying to cheat death to the point of immortality? What is it that they're doing? And so with this gentleman uh, using his ability as a scientist and then his connections in that industry to convince people to run these surgeries on him, build the avatar uh, and such, you know, is it just that he's trying to cheat death? I mean, is that what he's trying to out-engineer? Because that is what all the transhumanists are doing. It's not about curing the disease he has. The disease he has or supposedly had is what supposedly pushed him into this quest for immortality through technology. But all the transhumanists are this, about engineering humanity, the human evolution of humans. Now the question becomes, as he said, he is part man, uh, part machine, all human. Well, once they get to the point where they start genetically modifying DNA splicing, replacing organs with machine, putting on exoskeletons, this is what I say to you. They believe that the human body is inefficient. Humanity is inefficient. And so the ultimate goal is to replace all of these organs and everything that he did before they could fail on him or before his muscles could no longer control them, before that actually occurred. But once they start genetically modifying babies and doing DNA splicing to remove the possibility of any of that happening ahead of time, then at what point are we no longer human? So if your ultimate goal is to live, to live as what? To live as a machine? To live as a man connected to computers? To live as a man who speaks through an avatar? To the point in which there is no more biological body, that your mind lives in a cloud and you could beam it into a computer to talk through a 3G head like that, a 3D CGI head like that. So if the ultimate goal is to live forever, but you're no longer human, then what is living anyway? What is living as something that is not a human? And if it is not human, are you actually alive? At least alive in the sense in which he started his journey to live forever. Did he want to just function forever? Did he want his consciousness to function forever? Or did he want to live as a human forever? Because it gets to the point where they're engineering humanity out of existence using these transhumanist technocratic technologies. All right, think on that, folks. This is Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard, and you're listening to pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold. This is the Dustin Gold Standard, and you are listening to pain.tv slash gold. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us in this 
sidebar investigation into a human cyborg. And I thought this was very important to stick in at this point. I was not actually planning on covering it uh, with this much analysis. But once we uh, got into it, folks, I figured let's keep going because we are talking about the military cyborg super soldiers. We are talking about gene editing. We are talking about designer babies growing babies inside of synthetic wombs free of the mom and dad. And we are talking about all of the military technologies on the radar of Dr. Charles Morgan and Dr. James Giordano and Dr. Peter Emanuel, the Frankenstein doctors employed by the United States government. So to see another doctor, another scientist here, uh, Peter Scott Morgan, being turned into a human cyborg, um, willingly, willingly being turned into one, seeking out um, the doctors and the scientists to turn him into one. And then these media shows humanizing and normalizing and desensitizing people to it. Uh, I think it's important that we put this in here. It's a little break from just what comes out of the crazy military. You're seeing it in action in real life coming out of what Dr. Morgan, Dr. Charles Morgan would call the official science community all right let's continue we're almost done with this but we might as well finish it up folks this is the extraordinary kindness of total strangers but the very best thing obviously he's sitting next to me oh, oh wow okay oh, I mean, what goodness. a what an amazing um step forward uh, for you that you're pioneering here but yeah. for everyone else this uh, it's and to hear you talk about life like that is i know truly invigorating thank you both thank um, you so much before before you go i mean you talked about hope there as well and this is this is the book that you've you've written here and this is all from peter's perspective and actually it really is full of hope for those people for those people who really believe that there is none out there it's a really inspirational story throughout your life and especially what you've been going through the last years a uh, few years and and thank you for being here today okay so this is always the part that i look at so 2017 he is diagnosed with the disease right they say within two years he fully transformed himself into a cyborg Okay, within the four-year period, they have the book. But in the first two years, they film his whole life, his whole journey, his strategy to developing um, the technologies to turn himself into a cyborg, as he calls it. And they get all that done in two years. And they film the documentary, they put out the documentary, and now they have a book also. So he's got a book about this journey. It should be an interesting read is it a book written by the man or written by the cyborg or written by the machine? Who knows? But you're going to see a lot of talk coming up from Dr. Peter Emanuel uh, tied into the military, someone we've been trying to bring into this show a little bit. Uh, one of the authors, key authors of the Cyborg Super Soldier 2050. And so you're going to see him talking about cyborgs as well. And he makes the case the same way Elon Musk does and Ray Kurzweil does and others that we humans are already cyborgs because we don't leave the home without our smartphone. But what you have to understand is these guys engineered us into the cyborg they claim we are because they engineered the iPhone, the smartphone, the technology that they 
not only got us addicted to, but in cases where people don't even necessarily want to use it, they force most people into situations where they have to use it, whether that be for work, whether that be to access your insurance plan, whether that be to communicate with people with text message or talk to people on the phone. And so they've engineered us, they've socially engineered us into utilizing these quote-unquote smart technologies. And then they turn around and say, well, people are already cyborgs because they're utilizing these technologies. And so now you're seeing a man who's merging the technologies in with his own biological body. And so eventually they will just say, well, there's already machines rolling around. We saw with Dennis Bushnell, the chief scientist over at NASA for the last 40 years, in the speech he gave in 2018 to Fire Group, which is the future in review, and he said, we are already cyborgs as well. And he gloated about the fact that children on a playground text message each other instead of walking up and talking to each other. And he called it the human evolution of humans, as I brought up many times, where humans begin to engineer their own future, which I say is basically engineering humanity out of existence. But Bushnell spoke on this stuff uh, as well. And at the time, he admitted that over 200,000 people, this is back in 2018, were already walking around with the brain interface devices uh, planted in their heads. And as we showed you through the Dr. Charles Morgan lecture that he was showing video going back to 2013 in which they had implanted brain chip devices in people's heads. So they're way far ahead of the uh, technology that they have people like Elon Musk roll out through Neuralink brain chip. They've already done most of the stuff that Musk is now presenting to the public. They just use Musk as a pitch man to push that stuff out into the lexicon and get it widely adopted. You'll see Peter Emanuel address that a little bit. And we'll break that down for you. And so this gentleman here, you're seeing the same thing. This is taking technology that they already had and now putting it into this story, this narrative to humanize it and to normalize it and push it out to a wider audience. Let's finish up this piece and then we'll move on. Oh, really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having us on the show. Really appreciate it. Thanks. It's so lovely meeting you. And a happy birthday, Philip. <laughs> I hope you're going to have an extra glass of red wine because now, apparently, we're allowed. And it's my favourite drink. I mean, Precisely. what can I tell you? Precisely. And it's also, apparently, according to Dr. Chris, good for your eyes. <laughs> and with Peter now, one of the things we do miss is not being able to share a bottle of wine. So I'm forced to drink for two now. So... <laughs> <laughs> Oh, thank, thank you, both. Both. thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Right. <laughs> okay, see, so those kind of stories are what they uh, utilize to humanize uh, the merger of man and machine, transhumanism, singularity, to the point where artificial intelligence becomes smarter than human, and human has no choice but to merge in with the machine. And now you saw it, folks. It's a good piece that we reviewed there. I'm glad we did that because I think it gives you a better understanding of what the merger of the physical, biological, and digital worlds looks like. Now you understand the tenets of the fourth industrial revolution, but you get to see it uh, through a real-life story of a scientist who willingly turned himself into 
a cyborg. Frankly, I think it's fascinating. And so I'm probably going to dig a little bit more into that story, try to understand a little bit more about his past, and then we could bring it back to the Dustin Gold Standard, talk about it some more. I'd like to know what he was doing before he was diagnosed with this disease, what he was doing in the fields of science, and now looking at the organization, the nonprofit that he set up, which will utilize people like him as guinea pigs to further develop this technology. But one of the running themes here, and you can see this, folks, is it's not about curing people with paralysis. It's not about curing people with dementia. It's not about curing people who were you know, mangled in a car accident and now have uh, all these debilitating health problems. No, in the end, they use the brain chip. Uh, The goal will be to augment the human brain. The goal will be to read people's minds. The goal will be for one human to control another human, as Dr. Charles Morgan III shows us in his lecture to West Point Academy. And so when we get back from this break, we're going to jump back in to Dr. Charles Morgan. And we're going to try to get through as much of that video as possible because there is so much left to go through in this series. It keeps expanding. I have to go through the Super Soldier uh, paper with you. As I mentioned, we're going to listen to a podcast by Dr. Peter Emanuel explaining that paper on the Cyborg Super Soldier 2050. And then there's another paper we discovered talking about what China is doing, which we're going to go through. We're going to get into Dr. James Giordano Uh, and then we are going to jump into a video uh, it was in my notes um, Peter Thiel talking about the three different directions Eastern Europe could go into and then I will give you my full breakdown on that and then after that we're going to jump into the Biden executive order we're going to be finally ready to actually review that with a full understanding of the technology our government is already working with And then I'm going to get into uh, the true history of technocracy and transhumanism and the fusion of the two, what I call technocratic transhumanism. And then that will end up leading us into Operation Paperclip. So I've got a pretty clear understanding now of the direction that we are going to go in. And I think by the time we reach episode uh, 50, which I want to do a live stream on pain.tv slash gold with audience calling questions and live chat similar to YouTube so that we can have a full-blown live stream for several hours. And you could jump on and educate me. You can ask me uh, any questions that you want uh, so I can fill in the blanks of maybe all the stuff I missed any other knowledge you want to download from my head and I can learn from you guys because there's so much you're sending me, but I would love to truly have a discussion with you guys over at pain.tv slash gold. Uh, or if it turns out we can't do that there because of the way that system's built, I'm trying to put something together as well. And then that way we can have a big discussion and share our thoughts about all of these different ideas before we come out of episode 50 and shape the next set of 50 episodes folks this is dustin gold with the dustin gold standard i will be right back right here on pain.tv slash gold you're listening to the dustin gold standard on pain.tv join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold you're listening to the dustin gold standard on pain.tv 
Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold, the human cyborg, right here on the Dustin Gold Standard, and you are listening to pain.tv slash gold. No, folks, contrary to uh, popular opinion, I am not a human cyborg, folks. I am just a regular old human who loves to... uh, Loves to learn about technology, tries to understand the world, wants to know where we're going, wants to figure out how to uh, protect my future child from this crazy world. It seems that we are moving in warp speed. They are rolling out these technologies every single day. We are in the midst of the force industrial revolution, and it seems that it is impossible to stop this freight train. I mean, on a macro level, I don't know if it could be stopped. But in your life, you can make choices. You can make decisions to avoid this stuff. At least in the near future, you can do this. I don't know about five or ten years from now, but right now you can make moves to um, to change these things in your life, to try to avoid them, to try to work around them, to try to find alternative solutions to the technologies that they are offering you. And you can always just say no. I know it sounds so simple. Uh, Maria Albanese has been hitting on this for a year or two, to just say no, put down the smartphone, stop interacting with apps that are absolutely unnecessary to your life. I've said to put down the iWatch, take off the Fitbit, You don't really need this stuff, folks. You don't really need it. It's real-life clickbait. They dangle it in front of your face, and then they make it almost impossible to avoid this stuff. Even breast pumps, folks. It's very difficult to find old-school breast pumps. Now they want you to have one that plugs into your iPhone, monitors exactly how many pumps per second you're doing, things that were completely unnecessary for the first 2,000 to 1 million years of humans on this planet, folks. You didn't need this. And now they force it upon you. You know, we were just looking for a baby thermometer yesterday at Target. We had to stop in there. And uh, they're trying to sell you ones that connect up to your smartphone. We just want an old-fashioned thermometer, folks. An old-fashioned thermometer. No, they want one with a smartphone. But let me tell you, anything you buy... Healthcare included, that connects to a smartphone, it's being tracked and analyzed. Uh, Dr. Peter Emanuel explained that in the podcast we'll review uh, probably in the next episode or the one after that. And he will talk about all the data that they're collecting all the time from these smart devices connected to you. As Elon Musk has said, I've said it many times here. You are just a node in the system. And every interaction that we have with technology, we are helping them develop their prison planet, helping them build their AI hive mind, helping them, you know, work on their life extension technology, their quest for immortality. And so, folks, they're re-engineering the world as we know it, and we are helping build it. Whether you're working for a company that is actually building this type of technology uh, or any of this type of technology or whether you are actually interacting with these apps and helping them use it. Every time you use an app that scans your face to do one of those funny face swaps or turn you into a cartoon, your facial data is going into the data bank 
being stored on the big data servers. And you were helping them with facial recognition, not just on you, but on whatever other type of analytics and metrics that they are collecting and putting together, folks. All right, let's get back to Dr. Charles Morgan III. I'm going to roll this back about 30 seconds from where we ended yesterday. In this particular case, he is talking about the ability to store images and video inside of dna and so he was showing an example where they took a gif file an animated uh, an animated picture and they stored it in the dna of bacteria and then later were able to take the bacteria decode it and pull up the gif image and then he said that the offspring of the bacteria carries that image in the offspring through the dna all right let's continue here it's simply another way of storing information. It had just been so slow up until five years ago, it wouldn't be thought to be practical. But it is. This is the first experiment showing what imagery you can hide in bacteria. This is the latest. It's a GIF file. It was actually programmed into the DNA of bacteria. Last year, the bacteria reproduced, and the offspring from the reproduction cycle would still produce this movie. Pretty cool. You can hide information in bacteria. And when the bacteria multiply, they can go into a spore form and last for a very long time. No one can scan you and find a bacteria. We don't have anything that can detect that. So if you want to be able to encode information, take pictures of information, create something in DNA and don't want it in your own body, it can be bacteria on some portion of your body, right? All they have to do is scrape it, let it grow in the Petri dish, and unpack the information. This is all available now. This isn't science fiction, but you can encode movies. Pretty amazing, right? I mean, we went over that yesterday, but I just want to play that again to catch you back up. But pretty amazing what he's talking about, folks. They can store data inside of DNA. And as I've talked about on the show before, and I did mention in yesterday's episode, so I won't go into depth on this, we covered this new technology where they are storing data inside of human DNA. And so in the end, I believe that some humans will be turned into basically DNA storage drives for all of the big data needed to operate this coming metaverse uh, and the prison planet. So the prison planet would be in the natural world, all the technology, smart devices that tie together the Internet of Things, the Internet of Bodies, you know, in a sense, the Internet of Senses. And then the metaverse, which will be the digital projection of all of that stuff. Do you know how many servers they need to store all of the data that they currently have? And we're not just talking about the stuff that's available on Google or DuckDuckGo, the stuff that you search. No, there is so much data being used to run all these algorithms and to analyze everything and all the uh, data that the Amazon Ring cameras are collecting. I would not be surprised if they're already using DNA storage drives, maybe not like inside the human body, but they're using DNA on slides to store data inside of giant servers because it can store, you know, what was it, like a million times more than some kind of a computer chip. And so if you think about all the data that they currently have, you would have to imagine that they're already doing that. It's very similar to 
when you look at the amount of um, cattle that we supposedly consume per year in the United States alone, you would say to yourself, even as someone who's driven across the United States and seen large cattle farms, that there's just not enough cattle in the United States to sustain the amount of cattle that we eat. And so you'd say, well, wait a minute, maybe they're already growing the lab-grown meat that we've covered here, or the 3D-printed meat that we've covered here, and putting it on the store shelves. Because where is the amount of cattle that we consume in the United States, and how are they constantly regenerating that, that cattle, that livestock? Same thing with the DNA storage. When you actually look at the numbers for the amount of data that we have to be storing, there's physically not enough computer servers being built to store that amount of data. So they're up to something. And again, I believe they usually roll out the technology and show us the technology through Wired Magazine as some big breakthrough or through some university, through some professor, through some Elon Musk or Peter Thiel type when they already have the technology and they've already been using it. Now they just run the adoption campaign to get people to say, oh, that's cool. And if the people accept it, they can run analytics on Twitter, Facebook, other places off your text messages to see if the percentage of people that accept it is what, let's say, 30%, 50% don't care either way, and 10% like me maybe are against it, but we're not really a threat to the system, then they just roll it out and say we're doing it. But if they have something, say, like they injected nanobots inside everybody with the COVID jab, and they see, wow, the people would be really upset about that, we can't publicly roll that out or our houses might get burned down, then they just keep that stuff a secret. I think there's a lot of that kind of thing going on. That's my opinion. It's my opinion. But I think that stuff goes on. All right, let's continue here. Well, this is what the Chinese are doing with DNA. Okay, and I read this to you yesterday. It was like eight bullet points on the articles he collected where China has uh, publicly admitted to some of the stuff they're doing with DNA. So in your own neck of the woods, you can begin inquiring. We are doing things with, uh, with DNA as well. But the Chinese are fairly convinced that DNA encryption and encoding would be one tremendous challenge even for quantum computing. Uh, so this is where the race is right now, trying to merge quantum computing with um, what you call a wet hard drive with DNA, merging DNA systems with quantum uh, uh, computing. Okay, and so we call that a wet hard drive, and uh, I explained that to you briefly. Eventually, we will um, loop back to that. Let me just write that down, DNA wet hard drive because we'll get into a little more of this technology not not anytime soon but when we roll back to that because i'm going to get into the human batteries with you as well more of that technology that they're developing so uh let's just continue here but write that down wet hard drive folks that's the dna drive and then they're going to combine that with quantum computing which we haven't gotten into yet on this show but it is on my list of uh, shows to present to you will be really quite an amazing and both lethal threat for that amazing and lethal amazing and lethal unbelievable this guy isn't he speaking to a room full of west point military academy cadets training these wonderful gentlemen for the future all right now he's uh, looking at another the next slide. thing i want to mention to you is memory you play this one really quick Hopefully you'll recognize this. And it says up on the screen, a mind is a terrible thing to lose. 
Hey, whoever you guys are, you're gonna have to show me some ID if you're gonna be in the house. Hey, whoever you guys are, you're gonna have to Hey, whoever you guys are, you Would you stop that? What? That, that thing is gonna give a brain cancer or something. Hey, whoever you guys are, you gonna have and so he's showing a clip from Men in Black, all right, where they keep zapping the woman and she keeps repeating herself. So, what to do with memory? In medicine, we think of memory as a potentially harmful thing when people present with post-traumatic stress disorder. They can't stop thinking about the thing that's creating emotional distress. It's a very active development in the field to figure out, can we erase memory? Can we modify memory? Can we change memory? All right, folks, so now up on the screen, he has a picture of a soldier with a cigarette hanging out of his mouth, and he's talking about PTSD and the fact that these soldiers are stuck with these horrible memories, and now can we erase those from their mind? Can we free them of these terrible memories they have from the horrible things we made them do in the field of war? And so right now, folks, what I want you to do, because you're probably already having some nightmares from the, from the Dr. Peter Scott Morgan videos. If you watch them in video, uh, I think you would agree. Seeing the avatar up on the screen and the gentleman very emaciated strapped to a, a wheelchair. And now Dr. Morgan's going to get into wiping the memory clean and the technologies that we have in this uh, wonderful government and the official science community. So what I want you to do, folks is I don't want you to wipe your memory clean, and I don't want to overload your memory drive, all right? I don't want to do that. I want you to absorb everything you took in today. I want you to try to process it, understand it as best as possible. As we take a break today, we're going to end this today. Now, folks, not me. I'm going to record another show, which is tomorrow's show, uh, shortly, because I've got to take a couple of days at the end of the week to uh, do some stuff with my wife. And so I'm going to jump ahead and record a couple of shows today, tomorrow, and Wednesday, and I will be ahead of the game. And that way we can continue releasing shows seven days a week, as I want to do, because I believe there is so much information out there. I just need to keep downloading it and spilling it out of my mouth to you guys so you can save this stuff do whatever you want with it and watch it at any time so don't clear your memory don't wipe it clean as dr morgan is going to talk about when we return tomorrow i want you to process it understand it and get ready for a wild conversation with dr charles morgan the third and then we're going to pop over to dr peter emmanuel and work our way to dr james giordano the star of the show ladies and gentlemen i am dustin gold this is the dustin gold standard and you're listening to pain.tv slash gold come and join us over there the Matrix is a computer-generated dream world built to keep us under control in order to change a human being. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Ping.tv. Join the discussion at Ping.tv slash gold.